Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Well, welcome everybody. Another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs, the Harper and Company way. I'm Glenn Harper. And Julie Smith. And Julie's usually in charge of coffee, but today she's in charge of logistics and oh, just things happen again. I failed. It's all, No, there's no fail. You just set pivoted, back, pivoted yeah. made things work. Want to introduce our guest today. We're very, very excited to have Rebecca Scott, a fellow entrepreneur who's the brains behind multiple companies. She's the owner of Rebecca Scott Designs, a company that produces fashionable handcrafted handbags and accessories that are built in the heartland of America. She's also the owner of the 1948 Leather, which you guessed it, manufactures genuine handcrafted leather bags and accessories, as well as, because there's always more, the visionary for the <laughs> Encourager Academy. All this is coming us to us from the fields of South Dakota. Um, Valley Springs, to be precise, which is really... Really, Minnesota. It's only like five miles from the border, but that's okay. Uh, and her spare time should be found on the prairie, running, chasing kids, riding horses, enjoying the great outdoors. Uh, even though she looks like she's the she's all brains and a fashionista, she likes to get dirty and experience nature and manual labor. Uh, thanks, Rebecca, for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Hey, funny story about the Minnesota thing. Where our farm is in Valley Springs. Just try and wrap your brains around this business owners. I live in South Dakota. My address is South Dakota. We farm Iowa and our livestock is in Minnesota. <laughs> so, All right. Like, Already I'm apportioning right income. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds crazy. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I wanted to, the, the other part was we just share an uh, affinity of the great outdoors. I was watching your little video on the why and everything on your website. And it yeah. just, it's always great having a conversation with a fellow steward of the land because we always, the discussions, people, normal people that don't live on a farm or ranch cannot comprehend how you can just drop right in the furrow and get into commiserate on things that most people cannot even fathom can happen on a daily basis. And that's what's the fun part, right, as you would agree, uh, uh, being on, on a farm, just crazy stuff happens every day. It's not yeah. normal city living. Um, no. So I think when I looked at your video, I feel like you're totally misrepresenting South Dakota. It was all sunny and warm and general <laughs> cumulus true. clouds. And I'm like, it is not like that. It's not 80 degrees year round. I've been there and this goes from like 70 to 20 in like two hours. So um, oh, yeah. I do like that. And, and again, that's a funny thing um, how when you're on the farm or you're in the in uh, big changes in weather, you just really appreciate the great days because you got to be outside doing something and it's literally all day, every day, you know, the farming thing, you know, sun up, sun down, whatever. But it's kind of cool that um, even though when it's negative 50 out, you still got to go take care of the animals. You still got to go do what you got to do. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. I always say like farmers and ranchers were the start of entrepreneurism because like you just you don't have a choice. You just dig yeah. in and figure it out and you have to come up with plans as you roll with it because of the weather. Like you can't control Mother Nature. And you guys get the, you're not like North Dakota where it's like, that's like Arctic, but you're close to that, which is kind of cool. Um, Pretty much, yeah. And, and again, uh, for those of you who haven't been to South Dakota, it's an amazing, humbling experience to just be able to look out your window and see the vastness of the Midwest. And it's literally the vibe you get. It's like goosebumps. It's just total freedom, total self-reliance. And just mm -hmm. how great America is when you can get out away from the city and where everything's controlled. It's just the coolest thing ever. Um, Absolutely. If you can't tell, Glenn's a real big fan of where you are. And he kind of probably wishes a little bit that he was where you are right now and doing all the all those things and all the chores. Because for whatever reason, that de-stresses him. I, I grew up on a oh, farm and I just love it. So it's there's yes. something really cool. Okay. It's a great experience as a kid. Um and again, that gets me to this this funny story that you mentioned on a little note here that you once had to trade two cows to 
for some cash to, so you can publish your book, which is fantastic. <laughs> now, when we grew up, we, we named our cows, even though we knew we were going to eat them later, but we weren't supposed oh, yeah. to. But I suspect you probably did the same thing. But tell me about this cow story, because I think that's hilarious. Uh, first of all, I invite you to South Dakota and experience it our way, because it's, it's as many beautiful things as you say it is. And it's fantastic. And the kids always laugh that they have seven yards in their town buddies only have one yard and they can't imagine what that would be like. So we, yeah, we definitely have a good, um, the, the cow story. So I wanted to write a book off of my podcast because the listeners kept saying like, I want something tangible. So I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book. Well, how do you write a book with, at the time I had four kids. One of them was just five months old. So I did the entrepreneur thing and got up at 4am for six weeks in a row and wrote so I could have this book, but I didn't quite think through, I mean, I did, but the cost involved to write the book. And I thought, well, I'll just keep working harder. Well, the podcast at that time was not, you know, grossing any money. I hadn't turned it anything. It was more of like a, just a, I want to tell people how I do this because I want them to know it's possible. And so I thought, where am I going to get the money for this? I didn't want to borrow it from my sewing business, the purses and accessories. So I (laughs) went to my husband and said, okay, I need some money. And it's quite a bit of money to make my first down payment on the book. And he goes, well, we don't have it. How far along are you on the book? Well, <laughs> I went 30 hours in. He's like, okay, well, uh, let's just think and pray about it. So I thought about it and then was outside doing chores. And I thought, hmm, what if, so then asked Nicholas, my <laughs> husband, like, you know, these we were going to get rid of anyways. Can I have the money off of these? And so he said, absolutely. And so that's, I mean, you do what you got to do. And I should have put it in the beginning of the book is like, this is a two cow book. book two cow. <laughs> we got rid of Bessie, the family milk cow is gone. So but we have this book. Do you guys do <laughs> only livestock or do you guys do crops as well? We do crops. So we have a cow calf combination, about 80 head. We can do up to 120. Okay. We have a feedlot with uh, roping steers. And then quite a few horses. And then um, we do corn and soybeans. Fantastic. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also, you know, as I stalked you a little bit earlier, I uh, was looking at, you went to South Dakota State. And then did you do that yeah. in uh, Booking, Brookings? Is that where you went to, to school at? Yeah, Fort? at CSU. Mm-hmm. Now, you Don't know, that's the-, the, fourth <laughs> la- the fourth largest city. And I'm trying to figure out why you decide on South Dakota State, other than that's a it looks like a really nice university. But I didn't know if it was just you wanted to drive the Bumblebee or what was that all about? <laughs> Oh, several things. Okay. Uh, I grew up West River. So South Dakota, they call it two different things. They call it West River and East River. So North and South Dakota, a little less in here, should be more like East and West Dakota uh, because of the huge difference culturally and landscape wise. So anyways, when I was West River, it was like, I can't wait to go across state, get away from all these people, (laughs) (laughs) which there's not a lot of people anyway. So, Um, and go to SDSU and my family all of my cousins, there's 32 of us that went to SDSU. So it's oh basically like you're out of the family unless you go to SDSU. So Got it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. exciting. Have you ever driven through, Julie, have you ever driven through South Dakota? No, you got to stop at Wall Drug. It's the I coolest have. place ever. But cool? Yes. yes. He's got a really cool entrepreneur story. I, it's unbelievable with the, with the selling the ice water and the signage. Yep. It's just the craziest thing. Well, I guess what we wanted to do now is now that we've got everybody all happy and talking here and some good stuff, I guess want to little, know a little bit, what is it, uh, your online academy that you do? You want to share a little bit about what that is and what that does, and then a little bit in your into your, your purses and handbags and such, just to get a feel of what that is so the listeners kind of know that, and then we're going to pivot from there and go into some other deeper questions. Oh, awesome. I love it. Well, I would actually start with RSD first. So that's Rebecca Scott Designs. That's my purse and accessory business. I started doing that because we were poor newlyweds and I didn't know why I would give for Christmas gifts, but I love fabric and I love purses and I had a sewing machine. So I thought, okay, well, I'll sew a couple purses as gifts. And then I started getting orders and it started rolling. Uh, it's, I was working in radio, but it wasn't quite as creative as I wanted it to be. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I can get this up and rolling, then I could raise a bunch of kids right here on the farm and do what my mom got to do. But I will make a living at sewing, not just sew it for my family. So purse business starts. I start realizing, oh my gosh, I have to really dial in how to have all these children and produce as much as we are producing, thankfully, blessfully. So I start coming up with these systems and I'm writing and I'm journaling about how to just become better and better and better at it. And 
some of my seamstresses that were working for me, there was this distinct moment where I pulled in this parking lot to meet her to exchange product. She had sewn some linings. I needed to get them and give her the next week's linings. And she rolled in in like her track suit and her kids were in their PJs and it was like a hot mess. And I had four kids at the time. They were ready for the day, blah, blah, blah. And I say this in stark difference because she seemed disheveled and she said, oh my gosh, tell me you are not like this because I was put together. And I said, no, 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 no. We totally have mornings like that too. But then immediately felt a gut punch because the truth was I really did have it together. And most days I did, believe me, I'm human. But I, I, my thought was, oh my goodness, I can, I can teach you how to do this. This is not rocket science. I just have some systems. So then I really started dialing those in so that I could do a podcast from my radio background. And then I got going with the podcast and then they were asking for a book and then even more, like, how can we get more of your coaching? So that is how the Encourager Academy was born is like, I want to be able for them to just really quickly and consume it in like 25, 30 minute spots. And they're like, my food sucks. Like I'm so tired of making food and I can't think through it anymore that they could watch this and go, okay, that's right. Here's some very edible, simple, practical things to get started with organizing my food, whether you are feeding two people or four people or a family of six or whatever it is. And the whole academy is really geared toward whatever the unique situation is. I give them examples of what I do, but mostly I just make them make decisions. And so we get all this decision fatigue because (laughs) we're running so many different roles. And so I have them define what are your roles so that they can decide what's important to them. And then I have them start making decisions within each system. And I think um, the systems that I keep mentioning is your food system. How are you going to feed everybody, including yourself? Your me system. How are you going to take care of yourself? Because we just, we don't as well as we should. And we should just ask those questions. How are you going to do your work system? A lot of us are working from home now. I've done it for 17 years. We did it before it was cool. (laughs) But, um, you know, I have them ask questions within their work system. How do you want to do this? And then also your family system. What are your traditions? What kind of legacies do you want to leave behind? And then I'm now developing a fifth system, which is your home system. How do you take care of your home? And so within each one of those systems, the academy walks them through how to make decisions for their unique setup. If they don't like food and they want to do whatever the latest thing is that can deliver to your door, great. But just make the decision. Sometimes they don't even make the decision. And then also reminding them, like, if you can't answer any of the me questions, you're completely depleted. Like, no wonder you can't get anything done because you have no charge. And so it just walks them through how to do those. And so whatever their job is, whether they're working out of the home or they're a maker like me, I attract a lot of makers. And they're trying to figure out how do you keep making and manage the family? I walk them through how I do it. So I was, you know, we had some free time due to my mishap this morning and I was on there and I literally were sitting around this round table with a couple of people and I was like, I need to sign up for this. I need this. Oh, Yes. And I went to yeah. sign up, but it, it it's uh, all full. You got you're not accepting any more any more people. So tell tell me Should when make you, an exception. Tell That'd me when you when when we can all sign up again. On May first, so we debut it every two months, so that during those two months, I can take care of that class really well, and you get live coaching with me because we all have different situations that are like, you know what, this part doesn't work for me. What would you do? And so then, as a group, we can fill this woman in with what's working for us or not. So we do it every two months. We debut it again. I think the coolest thing about that piece is that here you are, I'm going to make some purses. I'm going to cut some leather up. We're going to get some people working. And then all of a sudden, like a typical entrepreneur, we never stop thinking. <laughs> There's always opportunity. And you're like, huh, I can do that. And then you find out it's great building all the product that you do. And that's yeah. a very rewarding. But helping people be the best they can uh, be, I mean, that's like, that's the apex right there, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. 100%. A hundred percent. I always say, I believe when people create, they have joy. And so whether they're creating a spreadsheet or like a menu for their family or a purse, like you will have joy. It starts to just surge inside of you and then you can give it out. So I give a lot of joy out because <laughs> I get to create every day. You know, um, it's a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're out there trying to figure out, you know, what is that thing that I'm going to do to take to market? And it could be, you have a skill set for a product that people uh, need, like they have to have something. But then mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you're always trying to figure out what is it that you really, really sell? Like, what is that? What is, what is, what is your product? The people think it's a thing and people would assume that it's a purse or a leather good, but that's not it. You're, you're mm-hmm. selling a vibe, a feeling, a yeah. swag, whatever it is. 
That's what people are buying. They don't need another purse. They need this no. feeling thing, which is the coolest thing ever when you can identify. It's not what people uh, need. It's what they want. And that's kind of cool, <laughs> I think, in your situation. Well, and on our website, you can design your own. So again, the problem that I'm solving is like you can buy a bag that everybody else has and it serves as perfect and it's practical. But I walk them through like you pick the outside, you pick the lining, you pick the zipper, which is my favorite part. You pick the lining and then you pick special features like do you need a concealed pocket in the back to hide your mm-hmm. Twizzlers from your kids? Do you need an extra key ring in there so that you feel more um, collected and less chaotic when you're like, I know I have a pen in this purse somewhere. So they're also like super well organized, too, because I don't want those moments for moms when we feel really chaotic or for just women in general. I wanted them to have a place for everything so that this practical thing could actually serve as a little confidence thing. And notoriously, which is totally outside of myself, when they design their own and a woman in the target line behind them says, oh, my gosh, that's a cute bag. And she says, oh, thanks. I designed it. And the other gal is like, really? Cool. Meanwhile, my name, Rebecca Scott, is never mentioned at all. It's just this exchange between this one woman giving extra boots of confidence to her very own design, like the only bag that's hers. And the other woman's like, well, I want that experience. Where did you get it? So then eventually I get mentioned, but I love that it's like she throws her shoulders back and she's like, thanks, I designed it. <laughs> I love that story. Like you're selling the confidence to a woman. And and like he just talked about, you know, it's not the tangible. You're selling something completely different that you gave that woman that she didn't even know she had or could talk about. Or opened her up to like, you know, we have a lot of people that say, oh, I'm just not creative. I could never do that. And I think, no, no, no. Look, give me give me just five minutes of your time. Tell me what you like about these two fabrics. And they're like, I don't like that. I'm like, OK, guess what? You do have an opinion and you can do this. And then when they're done, they're like, it's not bad. Well, and like, it- no, it's not bad. As a mom, I'm sitting here like, oh, I could design a purse that fit for what I need. Like I have a purse now and it's sitting over there and you could go through it and you would know everything about my life, where I shopped, what receipt was in there, what my kids ate, what gum they chewed, (laughs) all the things. But I'm like, I always need a place for like markers and things because, you know, you go out and you're like, all right, kids, like. Let, let me get this out. So I carry it around in this plastic bag and like you got to search down and I can hear the plastic <laughs> rumbling, but I'm like, I'm going to get there and I'm going to get it out. So I think that's so cool because everyone's has something different or a different priority to them. And yeah. not every purse is one size fits all. No. no. Oh my God. No, I, no, no. I always laugh that black nylon is my arch nemesis. And I've even had customers make t-shirts for me because like we feel like we have to choose the super trendy bag that's got all the right logos and everything on it, but it's a dump zone. There's no organizing in it. Or we're like, nope, no more. I'm going to do an organized bag. Then we buy this black nylon atrocity. And it's like, no, I'm neither one of those. So we strike a note right between them. Like they're still stylish. You get to pick all the elements, but they're still really well organized. So you don't have to do either one of those other parties. It seems like uh, if you're, if you're a potential designer um, customer, takes the class first, then goes back and does the purse, it's you're going to see a whole different kind of purse that getting developed, I would imagine. It's so true. So true. If they would have picked a solid fabric, but then yep. taking the course, they're like, you know what? I took care of myself. Want a little flair in <laughs> there. Realized, yeah. Yeah. I do want a little bit of extra. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, I love talking about chicks and dudes, how we just look at things different. Right. And like mm-hmm. a dude, like we, I just need a little, little wallet. I'm good. I don't, I don't need all that stuff, but for some reason, chicks got to have this stuff and it's just, I don't know what it is. They, they have their whole life in there and the amazing amount of time that is wasted and the stress of things not being organized. This is just as a casual oh. observer. It's like, why is it like that? And then when you can do something like this, where it's, everything has its place, that's life changing. Mm-hmm. That, that buys people time and gets rid of frustration and everybody has a better experience. So I, I think it's a very powerful thing that you're doing. Yeah. I also think like to the creative process too, like even if you were able to, you know, organize the things, the fabric choice that you had triggers something inside of you. Like I've always loved pink. And you know, maybe it was because your best friend did or a memory of yours, but even just the fabrics, like usher in this joy that's outside. And that's like, you know what? I just like, I just like this bag period. I just like the fabric because I don't even know why, but I picked it out and I love it. So I love those little, like, it's organized, it sparks joy, it gives them confidence, they walk better, it's it's amazing. By the way, I do have male wallets in what? my leather collection. I didn't see I those on there. I was I was poaching, well, but I didn't see it. Well, I got to take collection. a look. Well, see? <laughs> my leather collection was another, um, 
a bit alongside the creative, but I want them to leave legacies. Did you know the lifespan of a leather bag is 40 years? I can believe that. It's like a ton of time. And so with those pieces, that has been a different audience. It's been really fun as an entrepreneur to shift gears and go like, okay, well, what kind of buyer wants this bag? And those are pieces that they can hand down. So like our leather Bible case, I can't wait, but that will be a generational piece where somebody got dad's Bible case or mom's bucket bag. Because, you know, you remember from the 70s, they're like, oh, my mom had this bucket bag that was adorable. We're, we're now creating it for this generation that will then be a legacy piece handed down and they will last. I think if you're using American leather, I think it's going to last even longer. So that makes me happy. And with the Western tune, I should show you a picture of it. Um, the logo on there is the brand we put on our cows when I was growing up. Nice. So, yeah. you know, one of the cool things about entrepreneurs is that there's always this, uh, sometimes they're born with it. Sometimes there's a trigger point. Sometimes an, an, an event happens. But it sounds like you've had this entrepreneurial bug thing since the time you were probably walking and talking. And, you know, when that happens, how did you decide that the purses and the design thing was the thing to go with? versus something else is it just because you got sucked into it and you're like well i can dominate this space or was it i just knew this is what i wanted to be um well i sold stuff on the playground like solicited all the time <laughs> joker hat boxers whatever i could do like whatever i was sewing so yes it was innate um the bag started because of that newlywed story and i mm -hmm. have loved purses all my life like i think if you have like a gray v-neck t-shirt on it's like wah, wah. But if you put a cool styling bag with it, whether leather or wax canvas or anything, they're like, hmm, she tried. So <laughs> I love purses anyways. But I do often joke about it. I think, God, why did you pick purses for me? But it's working, so I'll stay in this lane. But I've also been able to adjust, obviously, add the leather collection and do uh, some of my radio background with the podcast, the Encourage Academy. But purses, um, it was a quick project. So part of it was practical. Um, I liked that I could make it in under three hours. I like that I could change gears if I didn't like it and it wasn't a ton of value into it if I just didn't like it. And uh, yeah, I just love them myself. So I kept designing for my new situation. Okay, I have three kids versus two kids now. Um, I need something when I go to tournaments that I don't have to take off my body. So a lot of it was just because of my own lifestyle, just designing for what my current stage was. So you, I read a cool story about you that, you know, when you were young, you used to sit underneath your mom's sewing machine and you yep. used to use all the scraps and Kleenexes to make Barbie clothes. And I suspect you probably tried to sell those to your peers as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you it was a cool story because you said, well, once she figured out that I was really into it, she bought me my own sewing machine. So mm -hmm. what was the first thing that you used that machine? I'm sure you remember. What did you sew? What was your first first product? Yeah, so my first sewing machine was five. And the wow. reason why is because I took Kleenexes and a stapler, and I pretended that the stapler was the sewing machine. And so mom said, okay. And I have a twin sister too, so she was playing with me also. Uh, so then I got my sewing machine just to hand me down at five. The first thing I sewed was probably something to get my twin sister to wear. <laughs> like you Guinea wear pig. it, and then if it goes well, you know, <laughs> probably something like that. And I did a lot of scrunchies. I'm grateful that they're back and back and trending. Um, but yeah, I started pretty much right out of the shoot trying to do clothes and bags and bathrobes, whatever I could figure out. And I didn't want to follow patterns, but I learned sometimes you need to all those lessons. When did you start start selling those things? What age? Eight, nine, like a third grader. That's fantastic. And I, my I, mom drew the line. At, <laughs> I would sell like they were fleece joker hats that were really popular and I would sell those. And then I would sew some mittens, but then I realized early on what cogs were. I was like, wait a minute, if I'm only selling this for $5, I know I paid $7 for the yard. So even then I was like, hmm, now we're going out. Um, and then I tried to sew, they were cool. It used to be cool to wear boxer shorts to volleyball practice when we were seventh graders. And I made a bunch of them for my friends, but then I thought I could like sell them. And my mom's like, nope, we're not selling boys underwear. <laughs> so Come on, mom. She had some limits. <laughs> So I think the, the takeaway from this story is that um, if you have a passion for something and you mm -hmm. really believe in it, there has to be, there had to be somebody, and I suspect it's your mom, but you're going to tell us here in a minute, but that it said, okay, my daughter's obviously off on a rocker here. We got to figure this out. So we're going <laughs> to, instead of telling her no, we're going to encourage her and basically mm -hmm. be the person that says, hey, you can do whatever you want. Make this happen. We'll help you. 
Was that person, that mentor, was that your mom? Both my mom and dad. Okay. Um, because we grew up West River, there's not a lot of resources out there. You know, we farm and ranched, but you make do with what you have. And that I didn't realize at the time. I thought it was like stifling, but it's amazing gift for me. So I use what I have because the nearest place to get anything else is 80 miles. And so that was a blessing. And my mom had crazy amounts of talent. But again, back down to like, she would sew these denim shirts and an applique thing on them. Everybody was rolling their eyes, you know, early 90s. Um, and I remember her selling them for $35. And I was only like a seventh grader. And I was like, mom, I know you've spent six hours on the shirt. She was going to this craft show. I'm like, we have to charge more. We, <laughs> mom, we have to charge more. And she was like, no, it's just, I just want people to enjoy it. And I quite literally remember thinking, I know where I was standing in that house going, no, no, no. People should pay for such a beautiful time-worn talent. And I'm going to do that someday. And so then kind of lost track of it. But then in college, when they started to take off, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to prove to my mom and her awesome five sisters and my grandmother that you can make a living sewing. You know, it was just such a like, oh, no, you just do it to save money or, or whatever. And I thought, no, it's a time-worn tradition. And I have proved them wrong every year since. What a great story. So do you, you know, I think what Glenn was kind of getting at was, going through, you know, even at the age of five and eight and going through and then college and even now, has your mom remained kind of your mentor through all of that? Or is there someone else that you can think of that has just really been that person to you through, you know, being an entrepreneur and going through these businesses? Yeah, uh, both. Uh, mom still works for me. She's my most full-time seamstress and she's amazing. <laughs> I bet. And she's the big cheerleader, but still to this day, like if I want cheerleading, like taking risks, I don't ask her because she's still like, that seems really scary, but she's a fantastic uh, cheerleader and employee. And then also my dad. So my dad had to switch um, careers. We were ranching. He had a falling out with his dad and literally within three days, we moved across the state. And to understand that when you're a ranch kid, you're married to the land. Like oh, yeah. you're what you're going to do. Both my brothers were in school for it. We're going to come back. We're going to run this ranch. And in three days, like a lifetime movie, we moved. And so watching my dad go through that follow and pick up the pieces and work with what he had, he still like takes big machinery. He's a mechanic, puts it together. Uh, he's just an amazing guy. So he also is just a big mentor to me. Like, dad, how did you move your family of six Across the state, no job, no home, no school, no nothing. But watching him just like, not that, I mean, it's kind of overused, but pulling his bootstraps up and just working with what he had and the skills that he had, jack of all trades, would figure it out. It was quite impressive. So I still ask him like, dad, what would you do in this situation? And also my mom, like, how did you support that kind of risk and these kind of decisions? I think that goes back to the whole premise of being an entrepreneur, being a rancher, whatever. There is no F word. F-A-I-L. You, you don't. You just, nope. you, mm -hmm. you you can't let that even come in your conversation. It has to be, oh, we're not doing this now. We got to do this. There is no, mm -hmm. here, hold my beer. I got this over here. And I think your dad probably did that. And he's like, well, I got to take care of everybody. So, okay, well, I'm not doing this anymore. We're going to do this. And as an entrepreneur, I think that is the biggest, I think, a, a big hold up for entrepreneurs that they just don't realize they're so scared to potentially fail that they don't realize mm. you just got to go all in and just, it, oh, you yeah. have to make it work. You, there is no second, you know, you just can't right. not do it. Right. And mm -mm. I suspect watching your dad and mom do all that. And again, you could really like make a lifetime movie out of that for sure. The only thing really? lacking <laughs> if it was a single person and there was a, the local handyman there that would help. But like literally, <laughs> but literally that sounds that's like what's you've like, watched those movies. No, I would never, I <laughs> never watch a lifetime movie. I think I've seen, you know, like five minutes of one, but they're all the same anyway. But no, that I think that's the coolest thing. And so I think for you, the, the, the message to the entrepreneurs is don't ever give up. Um, no. Be smart, follow your mentors, follow your gut, do what you're supposed to do. And I think it's going to always turn out well. And ultimately what that does is it lets you think more clearly and look at you. You wanted to make a purse. And next thing you know, you got 37 companies, you got 12,000 employees, you're empowering people. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that's what it's all about. So yeah. you, you, I think I have, a, I have a phrase in my house that says it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. And so I just remind my kids of that frequently. And then we ask at the supper table, like, hey, what'd you fail at today? I didn't know that as a kid, but I think now that that's such an important thing to be like, oh, shoot, that didn't work out. Okay. Like, just, it's okay. Didn't work. Let's try a different thing today. Or like, how did you bounce back? Or what did you decide to do? 
I like that. So you you're the way you grew up and all of the things that you've kind of been through, you kind of know how to work as a team, work with others. <laughs> At what point in your career with, you know, Rebecca Scott, did you decide that, hey, I need a team? Obviously, you have your oh. mom, but at what point you had that that other mom that was coming, you know, to the parking lot that you needed to build a team and that's what was going to differentiate you and take you to the next step? Well, thankfully, I couldn't keep up with some of the orders and I knew that I couldn't keep going till two or three in the morning and then wake up at four. <laughs> so I was like, OK, we're going to have to do something here. So my mom was my first one. And then I did collect another seamstress and I contacted the church and said, like, who's in the little sewing group at church? <laughs> Use your resources, right? And so that I got one there. And then um, I had this moment where, and entrepreneurs don't understand this, where you're checking email for six hours and you're actually only making for two hours, but you love the making part and the email part is what's draining you. And so I called uh, SDSU, a friend of mine there who ran the entrepreneur program. I said, I want to hire a CEO, I think. He's like, Becca, you can't. It's your thing. Like, well... I am so tired. So he said, write down a list of all the things you love doing, all the things you don't like doing, and then let's reevaluate what's in there. So I did that. And when I wrote down what I was spending my time on, he realized like, you just need an office manager. You need somebody to order the supplies and to respond to some customers. So let's get you an office manager or an admin assistant. And so that was the next position I hired. Then I could lead better. And then that's where light bulbs just started going off because of the things that she could handle. I created more, which sold more. So then I needed more seamstresses and then definitely hire a tax person. Cause remember we're three States and two independent businesses. So like we need the accountant and a tax person. And then it seemed like every time I had another kiddo, it was like, okay, we probably need somebody else to manage a few things. So that's how it worked for me. But also because I'm a maker, I can do it. Like I'm, I'm, I can do it like a ninja. So there are still parts of the sewing process that I do. And I probably won't give up because I love them and it's very therapeutic and it just grounds me in my business. It's fun actually, right? Mm -hmm. you, I love it. It's not, you don't want to be, you have to do it. You want to want to do it. And that's the difference because again, there's only so many hours in a day as an entrepreneur. If you're doing all the work, you, you just are going to have to stop oh, at some point. Yeah. So that's right. when, uh, so we, we call that uh, on our little podcast, we call that getting out of your own way and, and basically mm -hmm. recognizing that you don't have to do it all. You can hand that yeah. off to somebody else and it's okay. And it's okay to do that. And all of a sudden, wow, here we are. Things are happening. Well, and I love what and you said is like you were able to create more. So you made more. So obviously your profit went up. And so it was just a trickle down effect. And a lot of we find that a lot of people have a hard time seeing the big picture of doing that. There was a definite shift when I had about five seamstresses working for me where I realized they would bring me back the outside of the purse. And I was like, this is way better than I could have done it. And then the next one, I was like, oh, crap, they're way better than me. And without knowing, you know, it was like, gosh, I got to take back hold of it. And I thought, wait a minute, if we're going to grow, then I do want them better than me. I want to show them my version. So now it's a really cool text thread between the seamstresses and I where I'm like, guys, I'm trying to make this big, both crossbody and backpack. Somebody help. And three of them pop in with ideas and stuff that I wouldn't come up with. And I'm like, good, later, I'm going to go pick out a new limited collection. <laughs> so, but there was a shift where you have to be like, okay, is this about my ego or this is exactly what I've set up for myself? I want this. And so once I was able to like let go and utilize everybody's skills, huge. Like, why would you not, as an entrepreneur, you, we think we know everything, but why would you oh, not yeah. hire, employ, engage, corroborate with people that are smarter than you at every level? I mean, you, you never play like a bat. Did you play sports growing up at all? Oh, yeah. What'd you play? All of them. All of them? So let's <laughs> Track, say volleyball, basketball, cross country. All right. So you're playing. <laughs> let's go uh, basketball. You, If you're in mm -hmm. eighth grade playing basketball, you're never going to get better if you play against the sixth grader. You always want to oh, play yeah. against the senior because they're going to kick mm -hmm. your butt every day and make you get better. And next thing you know, next year you're playing at 11th grade versus as a freshman, right? So it's the same thing in business. Why wouldn't you surround yourself with the best or people way mm -hmm. smarter and make that happen? So entrepreneurs out there listening to this, do not yes. check your ego at the door. It's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's about creating something that's bigger than you. You're the visionary. Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to be able to do that, but it's about how do you get whatever that product or service is into the marketplace the best way possible. I think too, like, if you can really dial in, you know, your why, why you started it and stuff, there are still things that I offer the team that they just 
couldn't possibly do. And I don't even know how to train it. And when you find out what that is, that's that's your ticket. So the rest of it can go to anyone else on your team and you can train that because they're like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you come up with these combinations, Becca, but for whatever reason, they're working. That's that's just my skill and my other skills mass producing. Like I never look at anything without thinking, let's make three of them. And so that just comes naturally to me. So I'll offer that every day, but I'll definitely keep asking the others, where are their skills? And yeah, use them. You, would you say that uh, typical entrepreneur, you're insatiable when it comes to what you want to do? It's it's There is no cap to this thing. I mean, I don't know how many Pretty people much. you have working for you, but if, if you've got 20, you probably want 40. If you have 40, you want 170. Like, I, it's just like, yeah. why would you stop? And again, we always say, you know, bigger isn't better, better is better. But if you can control mm-hmm. how you do it and utilize your superpower, which appears to be that serial entrepreneur with some issues and those big issues, <laughs> the big uh, superpower is, the creative wisdom, you just have that it factor where you can just see things that nobody else can see, right? And you mm-hmm. can then coach mm-hmm. people with that. Is that what you think your superpower is? Uh, yes, I love to see women light up. And I, when I'm coaching, I look for that one, there's a look in their eyes where like, it just goes off. Like they figure out whether it's a purse or like, oh, I did this. And all of a sudden they're just way more confident or it's an entrepreneur and she's a mom and she's overwhelmed. And she's like, ah, oh, I get it. It doesn't have to be this difficult. I could just 1% the dream or whatever. So I think it's just uh, recognizing people's moment of, wait, I think I can do this. Um, I usually can spot that out. Is it uh, a trick question? Uh, do you, do you, are you doing this? You're doing this only for the money, right? I mean, that's why you do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why you, that's why you're an entrepreneur because you just want to make billions <laughs> yeah. and be that evil corporation. I, I don't think that's the case. T- tell us no. why. You, I think I know why you do it, but why don't you tell our audience why you do what you do it, mainly as an entrepreneur. Why do you do it? Oh, gosh. Uh, that The woman's look on her face when she's like, hey, I could do this. I could create. And there's just this little tiny boost of joy or boost of confidence. That's why I do it every time. And any time when I do get overwhelmed because I am an entrepreneur and I do have a lot of things going on, it's like, guys. This is exhausting. I notoriously get some kind of message or even a card. I People send me cards that are like, this experience of designing changed my life. Thank you for offering it. We do really cool honor projects where I take a loved one's button-down shirt and put it inside a Philip bag in memory of my brother. And so those cards are like, Bleh. they can carry their loved one with them. And then we do some military projects too. So whenever I get those, it's like, this is what it's about. It's about being able to incorporate their families, to incorporate joy, uh, to make them feel more confident. Yeah. Every day before the dollar, that's what matters. The dollars matter. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. They're important, but that's not the why. But if you don't have that feeling, then I think you would definitely burn out. Well, I think the, uh, we always have a joke about if you want something done, have a, uh, busy working mom do it. Cause for some reason they just have this weird skill set that they can just do more. And I think with you, you, whenever you think you're too busy, you decide to have another kid. And then uh, <laughs> I think that's what you do. And and look how it's turned out for you. So are we going to expect another couple of kids walking around? Is that what's no. in the plan? No? No? Okay. Chicken. I want chickens next. <laughs> I've been begging for chickens. I let the goat thing go, but now I want chickens. Well, you got to do some uh, goat yoga or something out there on the farm. It'd be a lot of fun. And the chickens are always fun, too. Um, what is... Uh, when you were doing this, did you have um, like, did you have like this wall or the ceiling, this thing that says, man, I, I just can't do it. I'm just scared of this. Did you have a fear that you had to like, man, I got to grind through that. And if you did, what, how did you, what did you do to get through that, to break through that barrier that you set for yourself? Cause everybody has that, like, I can't do, I can only go to here. How did you break through that? And what was that? Hmm. Um, my original thought when I started it was this would be fun. I can raise kids on the side, on the side. I can raise the kids. <laughs> Is that like a confession right there or what, right? <laughs> I can raise the kids. I can do the business. This will be fun. I'll travel to a few shows. I'll keep it in the Midwest. And then there was just about five or six years in where I just thought, this is really cool. Why can't I bring this around the USA? And I just wrestled with that thought for probably a year. Where I was like, well, I'm just going to write it down. And it still hangs up over there. It says, I will be the nation's largest handmade business. And again, that was that like heritage thing where I'm like, I'm going to prove everybody that you can make a handcrafted project and it can go well. And this is before Etsy and now thankfully makers are really well received. 
Um, but yeah, it was a year where all of a sudden I was like, why can't this be big? And that was the hiring of people and the right people and letting go of things. But I, there's no like build up to it other than I just looked around and I'm like, why can't somebody in New Jersey enjoy this too? Why does this just have to be us awesome Midwesterners? Like, hmm, I'm going to be, I'm going to go across the nation and that's what I'm doing. We, we always say that, uh, or I, I think the premise is when you look in the mirror and you're, you're having that moment where you're like, man, the world's crushing down on me. And you're like, why is this so hard? Then you look and you go, wait a minute, if everybody else can do it. Why not me? Yeah. And then when you, yeah. when you give that, uh, I don't know what you call it, but that just supercharged, you know, shot mm-hmm. in the arm to yourself, say, why can't it be me? And then yes. why not? And then you just mm-hmm. throw off all those shackles and you just go do it. Well, and your mindset changes too. So when I would be designing, I wouldn't just design for our weather here. I was like, you know what? Maybe I would look also for the trends on the coastlines. It takes a little bit longer to get to us. So what's trending over there? Let's introduce it when they introduce it. And I started reaching out to other people across. It just changes everything I thought of went, hmm, well, how can I do this at 10x? Or why can't we collaborate with somebody on the East Coast? Let's try it. So it did definitely kick things up. Do you have, have there a point in time where when you sit back right now, and again, because you have all this free time, but I'm suspecting when you're jogging <laughs> on the country roads and thinking about life and looking at the sunset or sunrise, are you a morning jogger, at the evening jogger? What do you do? Probably morning. Morning, 5.15, yep. right the only way to the roll. sun comes up. Yep. <laughs> so is it, do you jog into the sun or is the sun at your back? Sun's at my back when I take off. All right, yes. so you're coming back and you feel energized. Do you ever have uh, that... Um, entrepreneurs, you know, we don't really have regret. We always have mm-hmm. just, well, what if? And is there a moment in time where you're like, when you're sitting there thinking about your journey and go, man, if I'd have known this, then I would have had a very different outcome or an acceleration or a different level if I'd have not waited five years or waited a year, or waited six months mm-hmm. or made that decision. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those types of Moments where you're like, man, if I could just go back and put that in, not saying you're going to regret it, but like, what could you put in that would be like, man, this is my advice to people, these kind of thoughts, if I'd have just did that before. Do you have anything Mm -hmm. like that? In mine would just been thinking too small, um, thinking too hobby-like when it clearly wasn't a hobby. Like it was consuming 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. (laughs) That's not a hobby. Right, right. But again, it's that making thing where you're like, I'm just making a purse. I'm just making, you know, <laughs> like, no, no, this is way more than that. Um, and then I would have been braver and more courageous with the people I was hiring for my admin staff. I have two teams, my seamstress staff, I'm in it. And then also my admin staff, staff and I clearly am in that and lead that. Um, I, I had some like close-minded people, uh, assistants, you know, that were like, well, do we have to have everybody in on the meeting? Well, I guess not, but why not? So they too were limiting in their thought. And so I would have been more courageous to say, you know what? That's not okay. We do want more people. And so I would have, I don't like this phrasing, but uh, what is it? Um, Fire fast, hire slower, been more strategic about people that were growth mindset and not so fixed with like, well, you go to these shows and that's what I'm going to hold you to instead of someone saying, hey, I found some more shows (laughs) or I found a new platform. Or I updated your LinkedIn. Like I need growth-minded people that will see the things that I am not. So that would have been one of those gravel road conversations. I'm trying to think. You said there's tons of conversations that happen in my head on those. No music, no nothing. Never. Just a good doc that can spot all the critters. But um, actually, a lot of the times is I just didn't know it could be this good. I do say that frequently. Like there's overwhelming gratefulness that. My like Becca Eggers from Phillips, South Dakota is like pretty well known around here and I'm creating something that makes a difference and it's a purse. So it's kind of the, those are a lot of the moments that I have is like, this is fun. Very surreal probably. Um, because again, you, I think you always had probably confidence in yourself and most entrepreneurs do believe in themselves to one level, but then it's sometimes when you get success, it's kind of like most times don't really want to talk about it because it's kind of intimidating a little bit. Right. And and you feel right. guilty because people think that you just 
got it handed to you, right? You didn't have to work your tail off. They don't know about the endless hours and the stress and the worry and, and all those things. And mm-hmm. they just think it magically, oh, you hung up your shingle and look, you got all these purses that you didn't do anything for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're starting at age five, right? I mean, that's that's a little bit of a, of a track record, I'd say. So that's a heck of yes. a journey. Do you, uh, yeah. do you ever feel there's a, um, what's your end game? Like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you're like, you're probably what, like, 28, 29, you've been doing this for 25 years. Like, is this something you're going to take this and keep going until you're, you're, it's over? You're going to sell it? You want to keep growing it big and expand it and influence more people? I know it's a trick question. There is no end game. But, you know, do you have you thought about that? Oh, yeah. All the time. I like one of the Clifton Strengths Finders is futuristic. Yep. Sign me up. Like all the time thinking about the next thing. So the leather collection was a big thing for legacy because it's from where I grew up, West River. And so that that piece, I'm like, I can't wait to see that one keep blossoming and getting bigger and better. Uh, RSD, hiring more amazing seamstresses to help me get there, being across the nation, not just in the Midwest here. The Academy, just reminding women, you don't have to feel chaotic. You can do both work and home life well. And I just want that to be like an overarching, I've already written my obituary, which might sound a little nice. weird. But in there, it says, like, I just wanted to influence the world with the concept of 1%, just 1%. You don't have to start your business at this level, 25 years in, like you said, not quite, but um, (laughs) you could just make one purse for somebody that makes them happy. Uh, So just 1%. And I want to write another book on grit because I think I have a lot of it and I'm not sure where it comes from just yet. So I'll have to research where that is. (laughs) It's being on the ranch. And then I have three daughters. And I have one son and three daughters. And my three daughters are incredible makers. And it's quite funny when I watch them work next to me, one of them is very creative. One of them is very logistical. Like, mom, this table is not set up right. We need to have the price tags over here. The purse is here and the gun here. Like she thinks through and I'm like, Ooh, I know what you want. to. <laughs> if you're interested, kid, I know where you'd be good in my business. And I have another one that's very resourceful. So there's not a cardboard box in here that isn't decorated or hot glued or something. And so I have a feeling there'll be no pressure but they would be fantastic leaders someday within my own business. Yeah. With with entrepreneurs, we're always trying to figure out like, what is the thing that makes them tick? Like how, how did they get like that? Because there's just something about for you, you probably wake up every day negative and you've got to make things happen and you don't have a guaranteed (laughs) paycheck. Right. I mean, most entrepreneurs that's, and, and a lot of people are like terrified to think that, Oh my God, I got to make things happen today. But Whatever reason, entrepreneurs, you jump out of bed, go for a jog. Ah, it'll be all right. We got this. And let's do. What is that? Do you think that is a? You think that's a like an instinctive thing that people are just born with, or do you think they develop it? You think they hone it, or do you think it's hidden in people and they just don't even know they have it? What do you, What is your opinion on that? Wow. Well, I think you got to know how bad it can get. Um. So again, there's a lot of history in there when we moved and stuff, like just working with what we had um, that I just saw illustrated like, all right, here's our resources. We got flour, we got sugar, we got butter so we can have breakfast and we've got a paper that's got job applications in it. So let's get to applying. So I think some of it is like, how bad does it get? Then you know how you can bounce back. Um, Some of it, I I don't wake up negative, but you're right. I don't wake up saying I'm going to get paid on the 15th and the 30th. And for whatever reason, for me, that drives me like, okay, well, how am I going to, and if I work that much harder, um, or smarter now Mm -hmm. that we're in that age, we can do both. Um, how can I make sure that everybody's well-paid and that the payroll is taken care of and stuff? And what can I create today to, to make sure the ball keeps rolling? Um, yeah, I, I think it is, I don't know. I think it's born of the people that are around you. And if it hasn't been discovered in you, you haven't had the moment, the bottom moment that you need to have. Um, and I don't want anybody to have that bottom moment, but I wouldn't trade any of mine for the world. Like I literally, I didn't have any more money. I had $700 that I saved up from radio and I was like, okay, I'm going to quit. <laughs> right. I'm going to quit. We got plenty. Um, and I ran out of it very quickly and I couldn't buy any more fabric. But I had a show coming up and I thought, okay, well, what am I do? I don't have enough purses selection, but I was walking around my living room and I had super cute curtains. So I thought, well, cut the curtains down. So I took the curtains down off the wall. I still <laughs> remind myself of like standing on the stool, 
getting the curtains down. And now look, you guys, I have tons of yards of fabric. Look at that. But like that like spirit of like, no, you will not knock me down. You will not knock me down. I will keep trying. So I think some of it is just born inside you. And if it's you don't have that surge, I would wonder if you hadn't hit your bottom yet or hit your epiphany of what you should do. Do you feel like you're trying to prove this to yourself or to the naysayers 100%. around you? Because some people have <laughs> both. both, right? But because like, yeah. oh, she'll never, this will never work. She can't do it. You're like, I got this. I'll show you a thing or two. Um, I love being the underdog. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, I think one of the takeaways is, is my last question is, uh, as an entrepreneur, yes, it's stressful. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's long hours. Yeah, it's, but it's fun. It's mm-hmm. if you change your mindset to say this is fun, and mm-hmm. this is it's maybe not a quest. We we'll call it a journey. Um, you know, the quest mm-hmm. for fun is is a little bit uh, Chevy Chase vacation. But if we're having fun for the journey, and yeah. it's all yeah. about the journey, there is no end. And so mm-hmm. have fun while you're doing it. People that get so yeah. wrapped up and to just you know they stress out for every day. Why that life's too short? Have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what you're mm-hmm. definitely doing. And if you're not having fun, you just go out there and grab a horse and go for a ride. Or I mean yeah. that that kind yeah. of stuff will recharge well, instantly. Yeah. A hundred percent. It should be fun. Yeah. There'll be tough moments, but I have to remind myself, you know, the journey part is fun too. Like in this moment, I get to be in the studio with an amazing coworkers when they come out, everybody works in their own homes, but when they come out and I have to step back and be like, wow, this is so much fun. And I created this awesomeness. And then there's tiny coworkers running around. We have tons of girls and little kids running around. It's fun. Uh, so yeah. And if it's not fun, go for a jog, go for a ride, hit the gravel road. It's very therapeutic. Find any gravel road around you. And I swear it's therapy right there. And it's cheap. <laughs> That's for sure. It, and it, you know, again, I'm trying to blow away stereotypes. You know, the traditional uh, seamstress is like in a dingy factory. Everybody's hunched over a sewing machine, long hours a day. <laughs> and all of a sudden here's Rebecca going, wait a minute. I can work from the comfort of our own home, choose our hours, be creative mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. whenever you feel like working and somehow that's yeah. successful. Can that even happen? And yes, it can. Yeah. It can. Totally can. I'm doing it. You're doing it. Well, could you uh, leave a little bit of information of how people could get a hold of you for your academy or to purchase some of your yeah. goods and, and products? I'd love to. Okay. So if you guys want to create and feel confident today, it's so much fun. And I always say, if you're a little nervous when you go to creating on the website, Uh, If you email Chris on there, it's on the website. She's our design your own guru. She will freak out and practically squeal as soon as she gets some questions about zippers. Um, Go to shoprsd.com. That's rebeccascottdesigns.com. And that's my personal design business. Or you can go to 1948leather.com. That's our legacy brand with all the awesome leather stuff. Smells so good. And then um, my Encourager Academy. And that is the encourageracademy.com. And we open up on May 1st for our next round. I can't wait to see who the participants in. It's such a fun coaching experience. And once you join the Academy, uh, you get to keep the videos forever. Like it's totally lifetime access so that when you start to feel overwhelmed, when something has shifted in your life, whether it's your home life or maybe it's work or maybe your food life, you can just revisit that video and narrow down. Your whole life isn't chaotic. Typically it's just one of the systems is out of whack. And so I love that it's lifetime access after you buy it so that you don't have to feel so overwhelmed. Rebecca, so happy to have you on today. You're you definitely a fun you. guest, and uh, we learned a lot about ranching, South Dakota, purses, leather, seamstress stuff. It's great. So thank you very much for being on. Yes, thank, oh, thank you. you. I love that you're empowering and giving confidence to women. Such a gift. Yes, thank you. Well, this is Glenn Harper signing off. Julie Smith. Thanks, everyone. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.